Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. District. So I would like to open uh, with me your Bible in Exodus chapter 20. And the guy who wrote this series is called Randy Mann. But other <clears throat> so Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 17. But on the second part of this message, I'm going to read two other verses, which is my I would say my personal touch on this sermon of today, which is in Matthew, and then uh, I think it's Matthew chapter um, 15, uh, sorry, 18, and then we're going to read First Timothy. I'll, I'll give you the, the, the passages later. If James could help us with the, with the passages on the screen. Um, first of all is Exodus chapter 20 from verse 1 to 17. So today we're going to do a quite of a that's right, don't worry about them, my darling. Theodore, you're very welcome here. Um, so, it's Exodus 20, verse 1 to 17. <clears throat> then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness in what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes him his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and it shall not do any work. You or your sons or your daughters, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, 
you, or his male, seven, or his female, seven, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for your word, which is very clear. Although the Lord is written thousands of years ago, thank you for your word that remains the same. You have spoken through your law, O oh God, to demonstrate your holiness and also to declare and to proclaim that we are sinful people. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Holy Spirit of God, continue to do so, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We know very much about the law. How many of you can keep the law? If you sit down with a Jewish person, doesn't matter how dedicated it is or how knowledgeable it is about the Torah. If you sit down with a rabbi and you'll ask him, can you fulfill the law? Can you obey all the commandments God has given you to? He will certainly say to you, no. Therefore, you can tell him, so if you break one, you broke them all. So where is our hope then? Our hope is in Christ Jesus. The one which the Bible said, the scripture says, fulfilled the whole law. Oh, you also come. He likes to clap when I'm there, clapping with him. So if you break one, you break the law. But what is, what is about today? Though the law cannot save us, it points us to the one who fulfilled and through whom can have life. But when did God's law came into effect? Can you answer that question for me? When did God's law come into effect? Huh? Right? We might be inclined to say, by, you know, at Sinai, yeah, when Moses received the word, and uh, in reality, God's law has always been in force. God's law has always been in effect because God has always existed. His law, in all his laws, emanate from his divine character. Serving as a written guide for living life according to his design. Through his blueprint for us, for humanity. Because from Genesis to Revelation, from the fall to redemption, and the grand finale, as we know in Revelation, God has graciously given his law to serve us as a schoolmaster, as Galatians 3 tells us. Teaching us how he commands us to live and showing us how far we fall short of his holy standard. Come. Come and preach to these people. Tell them. It says, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Amen. Here we go. He, he's, he's looking at my Bible. Well done. Bless you. You know, God initially gave his law to Moses as the Ten Commandments, as those ten words that you, you, you probably see in the Scripture. Literally, ten words. But 
he confronted the religious people of those days, exactly saying that, uh, that these laws should be um, resumed in two commandments. They want to catch Jesus in, wants to kind of, of trap Jesus. And then he said, well, what is the most important commandment? <clears throat> and Jesus said, well, okay, let me tell you. The first one is, love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We know that I, have, I haven't preached, I have preached here about the Ten Commandments once. The, the first four commandments is related to God and God alone. It's our relationship with God. And the second part of the Ten Commandments relate to ourselves and our neighbors. Because if we do love God, we will eventually follow the other six. So, commandments, these commandments now down into two overarching ones, if I'm going to say this way, like love God exclusively with all you, that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So, Randy, he puts this way that that is a picture of God's divine design. Men living in unhindered fellowship with God, which results in men living in unhindered fellowship with others. Because once we do obey those two commandments, that we can see clearly that it's, it's God is being glorified by we worshiping him and by we loving each other and one another. I just be careful that they don't fall from a, 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 a higher... A higher place here. Hello, Theodore. Do you know why? Because God is the God over all creation. His law is everywhere applicable. It does not matter where you were born. Doesn't matter if you are Asian. Doesn't matter if you are Latino. Doesn't matter if you are, uh, uh, um, you know, a Russian, whatever, whoever you are, the law of God is applicable to you everywhere you are and whatever you were born. For every single person who have ever born in, on, in this earth, on this earth, is applicable to them, past, present, and future. It doesn't matter where. The Bible says that the earth belongs to the Lord and everything that inhabits it. Therefore, everywhere God reigns, his law applies and prevails. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, Randy puts it, let's see how God's law both shows God's design for his you know, for his word and how we fail to live according to it. So the scripture is very clear when he expresses God's desire for his creation. The first thing he says is that God designed is for men to be rightly related to him, which is the first 11 verses of this chapter we just read. So the world has these silly ideas that begins, you know, when, when you become a Christian, or if you want to become a disciple of Christ, right, you receive a list of the do's and don'ts. So this is how you should, this is what we should do. 
this is how that's what you should not do this is how you should dress this is how you should pray this is how you should position yourself when you do that you may have to close your eyes when you pray let me tell you something sometimes when you pray you close your eyes you are in a great danger I explain to you why I have seen people praying for people for deliverance and closing their eyes and be slapped on punched tell you when I pray for somebody that I know that person, that person may become possessed I pray like this alright <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't close my eyes at all because you never know. You should be aware of what's going on around you. Because prayer doesn't mean God will not listen to your prayer if you don't close your eyes. That doesn't mean that God won't listen to your prayer if you don't kneel. I pray when I'm laid down. When I, I, I pray laid down. I don't go sleep, okay? But when, if you think you're going to fall asleep, don't lay down. Just stand, right? But I, I pray for, you know, even for an hour in my bed once, just laying down and praying to God. So however, if God tells you to do something, let me tell you, brother, it's certainly for your good. Do you believe that? Do you know why? Do you know the reason why? Because God is a good God. As simple as that. When God says, thou shall not have another God... It looks like some people think in a negative way, but no, it's not. What God is saying is you worship God alone. If we get this wrong, let me tell you, if we failing to do so, it disrupts all aspects of our lives. God's law reminds us that he is not only holy, but it is also a jealous God. He's not a jealous like we are. When we are jealous, we are suspicious of somebody. This jealousy is not a, 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 a godly feeling. It is, your, it is your flesh. You need to deal with it straight away. Or you can ruin your life in your marriage or your relationships. Come on, get out of there before. It's too late. Exactly, thank you. God's law reminds us that he is not only holy... But how jealous is our God? And, and that is for his glory. And when it's for his glory, it is for our benefit. There is nothing in this present life worthy of replacing God in our lives for as it will determine also our eternity with him or without him. That's our choice. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather... Have Jesus, then reaches untold. Is that what we sing sometimes? Do we? Anything or anyone else that we allow into our lives is a lesser thing. The Bible says that God will not divide his glory with anybody. Therefore, he says, you will worship no other God but me. Why? Because he's a jealous God. And the Bible says that he visits the iniquity of those who hate him and, you know, to the third and fourth generation. 
But then he used this expression that he used, but I visit until a thousand generations of those who love me. You see, this expression, that means he will be endlessly, abundantly blessed by worshiping God and God alone. Whatever else that comes to occupy the first place in our lives becomes to us an idol, and we should not allow that to happen at all. Let me ask you a question. Are you an idolater? Are you an idolater? You will certainly say to me, Pastor, what kind of question is I'm a Christian and I have given my life to Christ. I confess him as Lord and Savior of my life and he's the only one in my life. You, listen, you may don't carve an idol for yourself. You may not pray to any image or light any incense to any image or to anything that you think is a God. Not even use God's name in vain. Nevertheless, we easily allow things in our lives to easily replace God in our hearts, don't we? Let me ask you another question. This question may become a compass to help you to find which direction you are, where you're going. Exactly, will help you as you, you it will be your GPS, okay? Today, we, we, we change compass for GPS, right? Geographic um, position, whatever it is. I, I have asked you this question before, and today I'm going to ask you again. Where is your heart? What are your plans and ultimate goals? Where are you directing your strength, your thoughts? Where or you spending most of your time? How are you spending most of your money? Randy says that I, in, in many cases, the ways you spend your time and money will tell what is ultimate in your life. Like if you're allowing anything but God to have first place, everything else will be out of order as well. You may ask me, Pastor, how can I turn this around in my life? How can I make God the first one in my life? Let me tell you, ask God by His grace and His Spirit to help you to live a life with Him and have him in first place in your life, but also to fill your life with love for others. Because this is the second greatest commandment. God not only designed us to love and to have him first in our lives, but he also asks us and demands us to relate well with others. Listen, if you relate well with others, you do not relate well with your wife or your children, there is something wrong. Because they are also your fellow. They are also your neighbor. How is your relationship at home? 
You know, God's design for men is to be rightly related with others. And sin disrupted the whole thing. When God has first place in our lives and we walk in complete surrender and obedience to him as our king, our relationship with others flourish as well. It is something that happens, I wouldn't say automatically, but it happens as it should happen because that's how God designed us to be. This is not because of our personal effort to be a nice person to others. No. Do you know what is one of the biggest hindrance for church growth? Do you know what is the biggest weapon the devil uses against us in the church and prevents the church to grow as it should? It's because we grieve the Holy Spirit of God by not relating well with our brothers and sisters. When we do that, we think that we are better than them. We are not. We are equal in God's eyes. It is exactly in this area that the devil takes the biggest advantage over the church. And that prevents people to look at us and say, well, they are truly the disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm interested in the way they live. People find it easier, convenient, and painless to tell somebody else about someone than to tell the person direct. The reason can be many. However, let me tell you, oh, pastor, you don't know, this, I'm, I'm shy. Listen, your nature, the way you are, or your temperament, or your, how, I would say that, um, what's the word? Your personality, thank you. Your personality cannot and will not be an excuse when you are before God on the day of judgment. Are you following me? Because according to the word of God, you are sinning against God. You're sinning against your fellow, your fellow Christian and against the unity of the body of Christ. And when we do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will not be free, in one sense, to move among us because we are not allowing him to do so. We are giving the devil a foothold. You know what a foothold is, right? When you mount, mount a horse, that's a foothold. That's what the word in Greek says, is when you have a foothold, that means you, you have a way of, of cling onto it and then hop on. That's what we give the devil a foothold. Jesus said, here comes the, the prince of this world. He does not have a foothold on me. He doesn't have where he put his hook on. There is no way he will not find in me anything that he can take a ride out and never give the devil a ride. That's what Jesus said. You know, if we do that, we're giving the devil foothold and eventually a ride and an opportunity to hurt the church, the body of Christ, because when one member suffers, all the others suffer together. Please do not mistake what the Bible tells regarding our passion for the lost and our love for our, for our family in Christ. Because our love for our family, our Christian brothers and sisters, will then reflect our passion for the lost. But 
Let me give you a little bit of theology here today and what the Bible tells on how to address conflict in the church. Is what Matthew chapter 18 from verse 20, sorry, verse 15 to 20. And that's where he is where I come this morning. And I want you to pay attention to this. Brothers and sisters, do we want God to bless this place? Do you want these other chairs filled with people? We must follow these principles here. If your brother, he says brother, so he's talking to whom? To you, to me. Do you agree with that? So that's the word of God speaking to you. Because Matthew is a, is a manual for the disciples. All right? It's written specifically for the disciples of Christ who now embrace Christ. Even those from Jewish background. The Greek, the Hellenists as well. So if, you, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Have you done that or you have told somebody? So if you have told somebody you're sinning, if this somebody heard you and did nothing about it, he is also your accomplice. That means he's sinning together. Tell his fault just between the two of you. Not to tell anybody. Are you with me? Is that, do you agree that's the word of God? Yes or no? So, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, then there is another step to take. Take one or two others along with you. These two others means not anybody, okay? Two other people matured with respect within the, the, the church community who have a life who have a testimony and that can be respected, take those one or two person with you, right? So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That I means two and the person who are being called upon. If he refuses to listen, then there's a, a third step. Listen, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. What church is this? It's not I've come here, everybody tell, listen, this is happening. No, you come to the church, you come to the leadership of the church, and then you tell. Could be even in the, in the you know, in the meeting specifically uh, called for that purpose. But if he refused to listen even to the church, what the Bible says we should do? Treat them or treat him or her as you would a pagan or a tax collector. This is interesting. What it says is, is a person that you should not be related to. Doesn't mean that you have to stop loving them. Doesn't mean that you have to stop praying for them, but means that you should not relate, have fellowship with that person. Fellowship means you sit down and you talk, you just, you know, do not relate in that tense. 
Oh, Pastor, but that's not a Christian attitude. Well, what, that's what the Bible says. You argue with the Bible, you, you, you do it. So it's up to you. But that's what the Word of God says. And I have no problem with the Word of God. Do you? Now, let me also warn you about the relationship with not only with each other, but Bible, the Bible also talks about your relationship with your leaders. I'm not defending my cause, please, and I would never do that. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 22. But however, I must warn you, as well as the Bible says, regarding your leaders, your pastor. You may be here from another church that may serve you. Those who are listening to me may be your church. You must follow these very spiritual counseling by Paul saying to Timothy. That's what Paul is telling. Verse 17 to 22, 1 Timothy chapter 5. James, please, just put on the screen for us. And we fail to do that. And that also brings division and disunity among the brothers and sisters. And you completely wreck the plan that God has for your life. Come out of that in Jesus' name. Let me open mine. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. It says double honor. It means double salary. It is. I'm not claiming double salary here. But for the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. So somebody comes to you and tells something about your pastor or your leader, whoever they, whatever he or she is. And then just one person, and you say, you take it on, and then you pass it on. The Bible says you do not accept an accusation against an elder or a leader unless you have a witness. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the other might take warning. Do we do this? Why? Because we want to be politically correct that way. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. And do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. That means, Hase, also, you will not, like, anoint somebody quickly to become a leader. Also, that we have a requirement for to be a deacon. You need to be at least two years as a member of Camrose. And your testimony has to be evident that you are what the Bible asks us in terms of what kind of 
um, attributes you should, you should bear, you should have. So since these laws reflect the character and the nature of the eternal God who does not change, they are timeless and unchanging. The law that we should apply into our lives in relation to our relationship with God and in, in, in our relationship with our brothers and sisters should be the same every time. Because God is unchanging. His laws applies everywhere, anytime, endlessly. Since God is the ruler of the universe and reigns as a sovereign king of all the earth, his law is everywhere applicable. Even here in the UK, in Ukraine, in Russia, in wherever the conflicts are going, the law of God is applicable to them. They may not pay here right now. We may not make, be able to punish them uh, with, with, the, with the laws that we have, but there is a law they will not be able to escape from, which is the law of God. Doesn't matter how corrupt people are and keep being, and looks like that we have seen injustice unpunished, let me tell you, they will not escape the wrath of a holy and a just God. They keep planning to kill unborn baby. Now in Brazil they're trying to pass because the Congress did not accept abortion to legalize abortion. Then the Supreme Court now are trying to legalize it somehow, going over the Constitution, which they cannot make laws, but what are happening, because there is an agenda in hell to kill unborn people. They can kill until three months old babies. Twelve weeks. We call that murder. And the Bible called that murder. Listen, the laws, the laws aren't mere cultural norms. Invented a thousand years ago in Sinai. No, no, no. They apply universally because they reflect the unchanging character of our holy God, our moral God, our righteous God. Our loving God. How can we change his character? Because all the laws that we see in the scripture is based on his very character. Let me ask you, or let me say something to you that will either shock you or will wake you up from what God is saying to you today. If you are struggling in your relationship with, with others. Let me tell you, this is not an interpersonal problem. Let me tell you what kind of problem it is. It is a spiritual problem. You have a spiritual problem. And a spiritual problem can only be dealt with spiritually at the cross of Christ and through the power of the Spirit of God who does the convincing, the convicting, and the one who does the forgiving part of it. My inclination to be jealous, angry, 
bitter or unforgiving towards my brother is an indication that God does not have the first place in my life. I dare you to disagree with that statement and show me in the scripture that is. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we love to pray collectively, don't we? So we don't have to reflect on it. But please pay attention to one single part which says, Forgive us as, as we have forgiven. What this means, what this comparison term means. Forgive me in the same way I forgive my brother, my sister. But you know what he says at the end of that prayer? On the verses below, he says, if you, if you do not forgive your brother, your father will not forgive you. Have you read that part? We love the, bit, the, the first bits, don't we? They give us our daily bread. Amen. Forgive us as we have forgiven. It is impossible to love our neighbor if we do not love God. Ask God to help you to love him with all your heart, your mind, and soul, and your strength. And I ask you, love your neighbor, your fellow brother, as yourself. Would you like somebody to go around, bound, around your back and talk about you, slander about you? Or even say what your fault is, what your problem is, but never be able to come and help you. Listen, brothers and sisters, I, I, I really need you to come and tell me what you see in me that you think is wrong. If you don't, God will tell you off one day. Trust me. I'm sure God will use somebody else to tell me that because God wants me to become more like Jesus every day. And that's my desire. And I, listen, I have no pride left on me to, to hear what you, want, what, you, what you have to say to me if I'm on the wrong. God forbid that I would ever stand proud against somebody telling me what I've done and I know it's wrong. I cannot contend with the Holy Spirit of God, can I? And he can use anybody. But to be the first one that comes to your mind it is what God wants us to be. And also God wants to be the last one that, uh, come, that, that stays in your mind when you go to bed. So he is the first one that comes to your mind because he was the last one of the previous evening. I want you to take that uh, in, into consideration today. So I want to conclude this message. I want to thank you for your patience throughout these five sermons. And please go on and, and, and if you want to be a little more Google on, on Lifeway Ministry. You're going to be blessed by what you're going to see there anyway. But I, will, I would like to conclude with the words of, of, of Brother Randy um, from, um, from this ministry who says, um, God's law is a good gift from a good God. Do you love his word? Do you love God's, word, God's law? Because it stands as a strong reminder that none of us measure up God's standards of holiness and righteousness. 
No amount of law keeping can erase our points of failure. No. You see? There is nothing that substitute God's first place in our lives. If He does, I tell you, we'll affect your eternity with Him or without Him. You can keep the law as much as you want. So what we need is for someone to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that's what Jesus did. He wants to do. He wants me to take him as well. I'll do it. You know, I'm going to be a grandfather soon. You know, this is precisely what God has done. Yes, tell these people. Huh? Christ was far from abolishing the law. He was far from abolishing the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. And doing so, he died on the cross for me and for you. And doing so, he told us beforehand, love God with all your heart, your mind and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Look to the person next to you. Have you loved that person as God loved you? Have you forgiven that person as God has forgiven you? Now look to the person in front of you. Myself, have you loved me as God loved you? Have you forgiven me as God has forgiven you? Bless you, my son. God bless you. Listen, he is... Oh, oh, this is a scissor, sorry. This is not for boys like your, in your age. You know, you can try as hard as you can to keep the law. And as I said before. But listen, as it is not an external standard, we attempt to keep in our own power. But if we do not take the power of the Holy Spirit of God and help, ask Him to help us to be what He wants us to be, Lord, I cannot keep the law. Let me tell you, I've I, I said this once, can, if, I, if I put you, and I'm going to say myself, but if I put my thoughts here for the last week, I said I would run away, ashamed. I'm talking about me, I don't know about you, you may have better thoughts than I do. Because I cannot judge you. But it is for us a reminder of the character and the nature of God who by the Spirit of God is making us more and more like His Son, our Savior, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we stand and pray? After the prayer, we're going to sing a song. And then as we sing the song, I want you to reflect on what you've heard this morning about having God in your life first or have Him first in your life and how is your relationship with your brother and sister. Sometimes you don't even say hello or good morning or good afternoon. But just say, just don't say just for the sake of saying. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That you love me despite all my faults and my issues. My prayer this morning, Lord, that you help me to love my brother, my sister, with the same kind of love that you extended towards me and made public act on that cross. That's what you did, Lord. Help me to see 
each one of them through your eyes, not mine. Your standard, not mine. Show me practical ways of how to help them, how to love them. Lord, and through that help, be able to show them the love of Christ. Help me to put aside my agenda to justify simply, Lord, that I, I, I want to accomplish this or that. But please, Lord, let me get all my agenda on the side and, and grab yours regarding to my brother, my sister, by just simply loving them, meet them where they are, and love them as you do. Holy Spirit of God, as your body here at Cam Rose, show us how to truly love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and the strength. Reveal to us those habits, mindsets, and attitudes that prevent us from being truly surrendered to you. Oh God, we pray. Help us not to deceive ourselves by thinking we are kind of walking in love while using our tongue to curse those who have been made in your image, oh Father. So in this world, where we are told to put ourselves first, help us to truly put you first in our lives and, and to esteem others better than ourselves as your word tells us to do so. And by doing so, you may be glorified and many, many will come to the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I pray this in your powerful, but in your sweet name, Jesus Christ. Lord and Savior of all. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.